Coming up on Le Beaujeu, Leon lose, Lille and Monaco stutter. Was this the weekend? The title race started to swing back towards Paris Saint-Germain. We look back at all of the action in Ligue 1 Ubrites, including PSG's victory over Nice. And we'll be looking ahead to some intriguing European matchups. Paris in Barcelona, of course. We'll also be talking about Lille, who will be taking on Ajax. Thank you for joining us on the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. We are in the uh, the comfort of Robbie Thompson's uh, living room stroke studio. We've had to close the kitchen door because his pesky budgie um, has, has started uh, tweeting. Uh, Robbie is off in Barcelona, so no Robbie, but, it, but he did open his doors to us this morning. So thank you for that. We do have the pleasure of Armel Tangi's company. Uh, good morning, Armel. How are you? Morning, Matt. I'm all right. Contemplating the surfing conditions on the Seine this morning. Yeah, we, we have this wonderful view overlooking the, the River Seine. We are in the, um, the what is it, a suburb? I guess we'd call it a suburb of Boulogne-Biancourt, which is right uh, on, the, on the outskirts of Paris. David Crossan, who of course lives in Paris, much closer to the Eiffel Tower, he's made the, the short trip. How are you, Dave? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Reminiscing about the Remontada game and a, and a fun day spent in Barcelona with Robbie. I think he... Didn't enjoy the evening as much, though. Oh, dear, yeah. We were talking just before going on air about the uh, the remontada when Paris Saint-Germain famously blew their 4-0 lead and, and shipped six goals in Barcelona. That's not going to happen again, is it, guys? No, no. We're going to talk about that a bit later in the pod, but we're going to start by looking at the games that saw some of the uh, the contenders for PSG's domestic crown um, slipping up. And we're going to start at the Group Armour Stadium. David Crossan... Uh, was commentating Leon against Montpellier. This happened on Saturday night. Delors, the outside of the boot cross, really good cross, and Montpellier are in front. What a finish by Teji Savanier, who scored both goals in the 2-1 win over Lyon in September. It's a bullet header from a gem of a Delors cross, and Michel Desacarion's side are in front. Three in the box for Toko Ekambi to aim for. And there's Usam Alwa, the save by Omlin, but Paqueta follows up for the equaliser on the stroke of half-time. Lyon won, Montpellier won, Lucas Paqueta's third of the season. There's been such an entertaining first 45. Savagny going for goal, Lopez palms it away, and the follow-up is in. Eli Wai, the young substitute on for Andy Delors has fired Montpellier in front for the second time. It is Wai's third league angle. So Dave, Leon's excellent form, um, suffering a blow. Uh, 2-1, they lost to, to Montpellier. And well, it wasn't, it wasn't a great Leon, was it, on Saturday? No, although they did have a lot of chances. And on another day, they'd have taken some of them. I haven't seen them as wasteful. Uh, since the early part of the season. Uh, Montpellier completing a win double over Lyon. The only other team to have beaten Lyon all season, Mets. Uh, And so that's a couple of defeats in 2021 already for Lyon. 
Uh, Memphis Depay had a really quiet game. I, I can't remember him having a single effort apart from a, a free kick during the entire 90 minutes. Uh, Montpellier were very good. They got on top in midfield, which takes some doing against Aouar, Thiago Mendes and Lucas Paqueta. Uh, Jordan Ferry, excellent on his return to Lyon, where he came up through the youth system. Teji Savanier loves playing against Lyon, a uh, double against them back in September. Uh, another goal and a, a big part in the second goal this time around. Um, Lyon just have to try to put it behind them. They, they weren't helped by Marcelo going off injured in the first half. I actually thought um, that his replacement, Ben Lamry, had a, a very good game. He's a, a sort of defender I can identify with. No nonsense is I, I how I qualify him. I figured you might him. say that. <laughs> no, I like him a lot. But the Kadawere, Toko Ekambi, Depay, strike force couldn't get them out of trouble this time. Slimani came off the bench, had a, a couple of decent-headed opportunities that he couldn't take, that coming off his first goal uh, against Ajaxio in the Coupe de France in midweek. It, it's a setback. Um, come Saturday evening, I was thinking, well, all the other teams are going to win, aren't they? Lille and Monaco are going to win on Sunday, and this is going to be a major, major setback for Lyon. As it was, the damage done is limited because of other teams dropping points. But Armel, it's, you know, we can call it a minor setback, but we said Mm. that a few weeks ago when they lost at home against Mets and there is this little bit of inconsistency creeping in. Is that harsh to say, given that they have won an awful lot of games? No, I think it's fair. Also, the the pace that's being set by by the Lils and the PSGs of this world is is making it so that you you can't afford to slip up, even if it's just a couple of games. Um, Leon may only be a point behind PSG in third right now, but I don't know. You see, as 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 you say, there is this inconsistency that makes me think that perhaps they're not quite as ready to challenge for the title as Lille are, and the next few games they've got Marseille, they've got Rennes, PSG not too far away in, in late March so it's an important period for them now. Dave, I saw Tino Cadaweri missed a couple of good chances, Toko Ekambi missed one as well. Um, would it be harsh to say that you know those guys aren't, aren't ruthless enough maybe to win a title alongside Memphis Depay? Yeah, it would be harsh. Uh, but in those games you, you're relying on those players to score the goals for you and they couldn't do it at the weekend. I, I really like their kickoff. I know you're a, a You've been a long-term observer of Rudy Garcia kickoff routines. And when he was at Marseille, Tovan would just kick the ball to touch and they'd move 40 yards up the pitch. But this time I was caught out because I was doing my 10-second intro to the start of the game off kickoff. And by that time, Memphis Depay had already given the ball to Cadawere and Lyon were almost a goal in front. I saw that. It was like 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. shot over, over, over the top. That's always really hard um, and, and annoying when you're a commentator. You sometimes write down your intro or at least have a couple of sentences clear in your head that's happened to me once as well and you end up you're like sort of half looking at your notes and you see they've had a shot after 15 seconds and yeah but I'm sure you cope with it admirably Dave I think my start was about as good as Tino Cadawere's start to be honest <laughs> a bit off target yeah. um, Leon so you know they're still third uh, we, we alluded to the fact that others dropped points. Um, PSG have, uh, have moved two points clear of Lyon. So look, it's still very, very tight in, in the top four. Um, and some big matches coming up. I know we've got the, uh, the Olympico in a couple of weeks, Lyon against Marseille. We've got Monaco against PSG coming up this weekend. So teams are going to drop points. Um, let's move on to the, to the current league leaders, Lille. I'm delighted to say we've, uh, we've managed to talk to Sven Botman um, and we'll be hearing from the uh, from the Dutch defender, but Armel he was he was left on the bench. It's actually the first time he's missed any minutes uh, in Ligue 1 
this season and uh, his place went to Thiago Jallo at, at, at centre-half. Lille, Lille played against Brest. Before I bring you in, Armel, let's just hear an extract um, of your commentary from the Stade Pierre Mauroy, Lille against Brest. Bomba delivered in towards Yazici, brings it down. And the acrobatic effort wide of the mark from Yusuf Yazici. That might well be the last chance of the afternoon. Again, it goes wide of the mark from Lille, who are yet to hit the target against Brest. So, Armel, as, as you said in your commentary, um, it was a struggle for, for Lille. No shots on target in the whole game at home against Brest? Yeah, it wasn't just a struggle for Lille. It was a struggle for me as well. I'd spent the, the entire week bigging up Brest, saying just how well they play football and they turn up and barely played football. To be fair to them, they were the team that got the shot on target. It'd been 18 months since the Ligue 1 game had only seen one shot on target. It had to be my game, didn't it? And also, it, w- it was a blinding game, wasn't it, in, uh, in Brest? Brest beat Lille 3-2. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my we were talking about our intros to games just now. Uh, my my intro was all oh, this could be hugely exciting to very attacking, expansive teams, and well, this shows how much I know. It was just boring. But let's try and spin it positive. Mike Menion, fourteen clean sheets now this season. Really impressive from a from a little goalkeeper, and he's. I didn't see any of the action the other side of the channel this uh, this weekend, but I believe there are some French goalkeepers struggling at the moment. Mike Menier could very much be in with a with a nod towards being the French number one soon. Well, Armel, um, just to reflect a bit on Lille and why they couldn't create chances against Brest. I know you did a lovely feature for the Ligue 1 show last week about how Brest are this brilliant, um, expansive attacking team. And actually, Olivier Daloglio having played expansive football all season, I think decided to go pretty defensive against against Lille. But if you're going to win the league title, you need to be able to unlock defences. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was strange the way Lille went about it. It was uh, almost like a training game. They just kind of played the ball sideways. There weren't enough options being created through the middle. Um, the, the three Jonathans, Bamba in particular, who's been so impressive this season, was quiet. Jonathan David obviously is in confidence at the um, confident at the moment. He was trying to make things happen. wasn't quite happening for Ikone. Yusuf Yazidji came on, tried to change things. It's just it, it was blocking for Lille. Gautier was looking very frustrated on the sidelines, and um, it was interesting to hear the Brest midfielder Paul Lan at the end of the game, who said, "Well, because we've played such nice football this season, yes, we've got a point against the current league leaders, but I'm not sure if I'm happy with it." And that was. Probably quite, um, quite poetic from Paul Lan. Quite poetic from Paul Lan, and probably the highlight of my evening. Yeah, the reason I say that is because he's he's he's, he's pub- got a book out. He's got he? a book out, Paul mm. Lan. He's written poems during during the lockdown. Yeah. Murmurs. Then um, I know his book is called Murmur. I'm going to ask you a bit more about about the Lille defence, but I'm going to bring in uh, Sven Botman, who uh, missed out, uh, like I said, at the weekend. Christophe Galtier didn't say whether he needed a rest, whether he had a, a problem at all. But uh, they're playing Ajax on Thursday night, Botman's former team. Um, you talked about Mignon, you talked about Lille having this amazing defensive record. They've got the joint best defence in the league, along with PSG, just 15 goals conceded in 25 games. And Sven Botman, 21 years of age, he's come in and he has just been absolutely exceptional alongside Jose Font. And one of the things that I spoke to him about was his training, his early years at Ajax, because he spent uh, many years 
with the Ajax Youth Academies. And what's interesting, he's a big, strong, muscular defender who wins everything in the air. He's uh, formidable when he goes for tackles, but he's pretty good on the ball as well. And what's interesting, he told me that at Ajax, one of the big problems was that people said he wasn't good enough on the ball. And his coaches, when he was 16 or 17, they were getting him playing in midfield saying, come on, because they obviously have this very strong philosophy there that everybody has to be good, including the centre-backs. They all have to be good at football. So I think that's one of the reasons why when we see Sven Botman now, he is actually very good in terms of his distribution. Let's hear um, a word then from Lille's 21-year-old centre-back, Sven Botman. Ajax is, is demanding a lot uh, from defenders who get pressure from attackers uh, to play under the pressure. So, yeah, what I say, I have by myself, I have the strength, like uh, the skills to, to play good in duels and stuff like that. But uh, Ajax bring me a lot more with, with the ball possession. And at Ajax, I was not a special player at the ball. If you give me the ball, I can make something good with it. But uh, it was not the special that some, some players had. In other countries, it's not normal that uh, defenders uh, always play under the pressure. They give long balls or they even they play the ball out. It's different when you learn how to, how to play under pressure when you were young. And that's why I say Ajax really helped me with that kind of thing. Botman's been so good this season with Jose Font. And no wonder clubs are looking at him in the Premier League where there's still a bit of money around. And Canal Plus were reporting that he's going to be sold this summer for between 40 to 50 million euros. I believe Christophe Galtier made a, a joke about that post-match saying that's why he wasn't playing. It's because he'd already been sold and well it, I, w- I would be surprised if he was still a, a Lille player come next season and they've got to get the most out of him before he leaves and I think it'll be a, v- a very interesting game for him against Ajax particularly as Ajax forgot to get their leading striker onto their Europa League list with an administrative error and, and there's a player whose name I've never known how to pronounce correctly Sebastian, Sebastian Haller or Haller Haller well the French say Haller but Haller yeah, he's 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 Ivorian, Franco-Ivorian, isn't he? Yeah. So it must be a French pronunciation. Anyway, he I'd scored one and set one up at the weekend. Ajax are top, playing the French leaders in the Europa League. I'm looking forward to that game, but he won't be able to play because he was left off the list. I tell you what, though, Dave, they must be looking at Sven Botman's performances this season and and thinking we've let we've let one go here. We've let a really really top player go. I think it was eight nine million. Um, he he was sold for in the end, and Lille. Um, you know whether they can continue this incredible recruitment in the post Luis Campos era remains to be seen. But they sold Gabriel uh, to Arsenal for 25, 26 million, um, and they've now got a player who is playing better, I think, than Gabriel played. For uh, Gabriel was very good at Lille, and I'm not saying Botman is is a better long term defender. He he might be, um, but in terms of the performances, you know, he is. And Galtier said he is a leader for us. You know, he's 21, but he's a leader. Yeah, in terms of the, the recruitment, it is really difficult to back up. Uh, and we saw that at Monaco uh, as well when they had that amazing record, sold players for, what, 500 million in total. But then tried to keep repeating the trick, keep signing young players for 10, 15, 20 million and stopped getting it right. And uh, there is a danger that that could happen at Lille or any club that operates with that trading model. Uh, in Botman's particular case, yes, yeah, spot on, right, brilliant. And... Um, well done to them for signing him and they're going to make a, a massive profit on him. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully not um, not straight away. Hopefully he can, you know, have, I was going to say at least one season. Let's say at least two seasons. You know, let's hope 
the Lille can play in the Champions League next season with, with Sven Botman. Thursday night's going to be a, a little bit strange for him, of course, coming up against his uh, his former teammates. Um, but I, I asked him whether it was going to be you know a difficult game or whether he felt that perhaps he's got something to prove um, to his former employers who decided to let him go last summer. I don't feel like I have a point to prove. Some people are saying... Uh... I sent you away or you didn't get the chances, but it was my own choice and I wanted to come at Lille, uh, so it's not uh, not like a revenge or something. Yeah, I'm excited, excited about it and uh, I want to win, of course. Well, interesting stuff from Sven Botman and uh, certainly he's he's got that playing time now and the decision looks like a, a good one. And when you get when you're a young player and you get the chance to join Lille... Um, invariably you should go for it because most players just just explode and you know even Jonathan David who had a very difficult start is is looking really good now really sharp um but nil nil so Lille are still top but only just um a disappointing result for them let's see how Monaco got on Monaco had started the year with seven straight wins eight straight wins if you include their Coupe de France win against Grenoble in midweek they were at home though against Lorient Lorient have been in pretty good form themselves. And uh, and I commentated the action from the Stade Louis Deux. Moffi against Leconte. And Moffi goes straight down the middle. And Lorient have a shock lead here at the Stade Louis Deux. A penalty earned by Johan Wisser, converted by Terra Moffi. That's his seventh league goal this season. Ben Yedda from 12 yards makes it 1-1. It's an emphatic penalty. He's converted eight out of eight this season with some Ben Yedda. He's got 12 goals in the league. And most importantly of all, he has drawn Monaco level early in the second half. Elcho's done well. Moffi now. Moffi through the middle. Oh, Moffi's done it again. Terra Moffi with another goal, his second of the afternoon, his eighth in the league for Lorient, a right smile from Niko Kovac. But that is a hammer blow to Monaco's chances. Fabregas, back into the mixer. Oh, and a chance for Monaco! And it's hammered home by Wissam Ben Yedda. Oh, it's heartbreaking for Lorient, who had defended so well, but deep in added time, Monaco get their goal. Well, I'll tell you what, this was actually a good result looking back at it for Monaco because it looked for, you know, for the world as though they were going to lose. And in the last 20 minutes, I think they were 2-1 down from the 62nd minute on. Terra Moffi taking that second goal so well. Um, and Lorient had this game plan, everybody behind the ball except for Moffi and... They hit on the counter-attack with uh, Enzo Lefay and, and Johan Wisser raiding forward. And Monaco really struggled. Um, they kept putting forward players on. They had they had Jovetic on along with uh, Voland and Ben Yedda and others who were a sky. Pellegri was on as well. Um, in the end, long ball from Fabregas. Badia Schill heads it across and, and Ben Yedda with a, you know, an unbelievable finish, a, a brilliant left-footed volley. But, you know, you'll, you'll look at this, Armel, and you'll think... Oh dear, bad result that for Monaco 2-2. But listening to them after the game, I think it was Ruben Aguilar who did the flash interview afterwards and he said, no, this is a really good result for us. And it's, it's one of those where you, you come away feeling as though you've, 
you've gained a point because you've got out of jail a little bit. No doubt because of the the way the game went, but also just because Lorient were were flying coming into this one, having beaten PSG, held Rennes, and, and beaten Reims after a, a def- after a midweek win against Dijon in late January that ended a a dreadful run for them. So. All things considered, yeah, not a bad result for Monaco, but uh, a bit of a shame, really, on a on a week where there were a few slips in the top three that uh, they weren't able to to close that gap a little. I think just for the general excitement of the league, it would have been nice to see uh, Kevin Volland score again, get a winner, and for Monaco to, as I say, close that gap a little. Yeah, Volland didn't have any chances really I'm not sure he was happy actually being shifted out wide right when they they, they put Jovetic on at, at half time and played him through the middle with, with Ben Yedda. but at the same time Dave Monaco they'd won seven in a row going into this one so you can't you can't get too upset that you've you know just drawn a, a game against an informed team No well Ben Yedda's been upset a little bit recently hasn't he because he keeps getting substituted but not this time around and he's got six goals in 2021 Terra Moffi the Lorient striker who scored two has got six as well. Um, Niko Kovac has got depth in that squad, but they, it, overall it is still points drops. You've got to be honest about this. And it puts more pressure on their trip to the capital this coming Sunday because I, it was a major opportunity with Lyon having lost the previous night to really close up that gap and press for the Champions League finish. Yeah, and had they won, they would have been in a position where they could have moved above PSG or level with PSG. I'm just looking at the standings. Monaco now on 49 points, so they're five behind PSG. Yeah, had they won, they could have gone to the Parc des Princes knowing that a win um, over PSG would take them level with, uh, with the champions. And then, of course, they would be very much in the thick of the title race. As it is, only a draw. And Niko Kovac, you know, he has been talking about the fact that they're that they're leaking too many goals, and they let in three against Nîmes the weekend before, albeit in a in a four three win. Two against Lorient, that has to be the concern, doesn't it, Armel? And I, you know, I worry every time I see Guillermo Maripan just because he is so slow. And I, you know, I know it's not all about speed. I and mean, Badia Shield next to him is 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 pretty quick, but when you're looking at Keane and, and Mbappe, yeah, I'd be a bit concerned on Sunday. But it's. Quite reassuring for a team like Monaco, who for the past, I don't know how many years, basically since they've won the title, people have been saying their squad's too large. How are you supposed to manage this squad? How are you meant to know who's got to play where? Niko Kovac seems to have found his 11. I feel like that's it's been a good few years that a Monaco coach hasn't known who he wants to play in every position, every game. It's been fairly stable these last few weeks. You, you mentioned Mary Pan. He's come in, he's had a run of goal scoring, uh, which has done the team good, obviously, and he's put the vice-captain Disassi on the bench and he plays alongside Badia Shil. So at least there will be less tinkering than there has been in, in previous years. Um, and Niko Kovac can just work with, with that back four that he thinks is his best now and work towards getting them more stable. Because when you're switching the personnel every week, that's not really going to help you keep clean sheets, in my opinion. But of course they're conceding far too many goals because Lille and PSG have only conceded 15 each this season and Monaco have conceded 37 and bottom of the table Dijon have only conceded 38 so the fact that they've got all these players who can score goals is masking some of those deficiencies but you can only paper over those cracks for so long and eventually you will get found out and let's see who Paris Saint-Germain even have available on Sunday given that they've got another big game and uh, been hit by a spate of injuries that's uh, yeah a Newcastle fan talking from experience there about a team 
uh, trying to win the title but not being able to defend. Um, David Crossan, league on commentator. Well, he doesn't look happy, Dave. Sorry about that. Bringing you back some old so wounds. I look back at the table, see how many more goals Newcastle conceded in 1996 than Manchester United. It's much smaller, that differential, than you think. Okay, okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, you're listening to Le Bourgeois, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. Um, it is incredibly exciting at the top. Six points separate the top four. If you look at across Europe in Serie A, uh, the equivalent stat is seven points. Uh, nine points separate the top four in the Bundesliga and in La Liga. 13 points separate the top four in the Premier League. France is the place to be for an exciting title race. Before we turn our attentions to Paris Saint-Germain and their victory at the weekend and their game coming up against Barcelona, it's time for our, our Deja Who section. An opportunity for you to uh, to get in contact if you think you know the answer. We had plenty of, uh, of right answers again. Ian Holyman, you're going to have to up the ante here. Your, your clues are too easy. This was last week's clue. I was born in Paris and attended Clairefontaine, but won a league title on the Mediterranean coast. I was once touted as, the, or as one of the hottest centre-backs in world football compared to Laurent Blanc, who retired from international football just as I made my France debut. I played with John Arnorisa, Thiago Motta, Sabri Lamouchi, Steve Marley and Carlos Bocanegra and for Louis van Gaal, Alain Perrin, Claude Puel, and Roy Hodgson. Fascinating career. I think the um, I was once touted as one of the hottest centre-backs compared to Laurent Blanc. I think that probably gave it away. But congratulations to um, Thomas de Roy, to Frenchy, our, our man in Detroit, to Ed Scott, to Miko Honkanyemi, to Adiel Santos, Adam Cyrnik, Habib Barr, who says he's one of my favourite players. I haven't given the answer yet. It's, uh, it's Philippe Christenval, by the way, the, uh, the former France defender who... Won the title at Monaco, went to Barcelona, etc. Um, Habib Bar says, at school, my friends called me Christenval when playing football. That's good to know, Habib. And you were obviously a you know, tall, elegant centre-half yourself. And Simon Klopfenstein, stop Klopfenstein or Klopfenstein, sorry, Simon. Um, he also got it right. Now, Simon, you can uh, email in if you know the answer here and tell me how to pronounce your surname. This is the Deja Who for this week. Here we go. After a first European adventure in Germany, everything really turned rosy for me in southwest France. I played for two more Ligue 1 clubs, helping one reach a Champions League quarter-final, while I spent an entire season frozen out at the other. I've also played in Turkey, and I now play in Qatar. Tough one. I think it's a tough one. I'm not sure... I would uh, know the answer, but our listeners are very, very good at uh, getting these ones. If you do think you know the answer, email us league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag LeBourgeois on Twitter. And if you want to rate us as well on the different platforms, Google, Spotify, Deezer and Apple, please do. We all always appreciate your, your ratings and your feedback. Now, let's move on to Paris Saint-Germain. Robbie Thompson is absent, but he's also very much present in our minds and he was commentating the game PSG against Nice from the Parc des Princes on Saturday. Here's what happened. All over the top for Keane, under pressure from Hassan Kamara. Keane still, good overlapping run from Kera. The cross back post, Icardi off the post and Draxler scores with the follow-up. Oh, and that's given away cheaply by Marquinhos this time. Ronnie Lopez! And he has made... Paris pay for that mistake. The captain, Marquinhos, giving the ball away 
Ronnie Lopez, two goals in midweek in the cup. And he's followed it up with another here. Mbappe, ball back post for Icardi. Cross back in for Keane. Fabulous assist. And out of nothing, Paris Saint-Germain are back in front. For so long this season, the question of who would play Keane or Icardi. Well, there, the two combining to give Paris Saint-Germain the lead. So it finished 2-1 to Paris Saint-Germain. Armel, let's just get this out of the way. Um, what did you think of the Paris Saint-Germain shirts? Uh, they sell. They were the fourth, the fourth shirt, kit, fourth, yeah. fourth choice kits. And mm. it was kind of what, can you describe it for us? Uh, a bit like a fashionable nuclear accident. <laughs> uh Pink I, with I believe it's inspired by the Milky Way, actually, Armel. Which you can only see from Paris, of course, due to the low pollution levels in this uh, city with so many parks. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes total sense. I feel it really represents Paris and everything that, uh, yeah, no, not a fan. Now that's out of the way. Thanks, fashion expert Armel Tangi. Dave, what did you think of the football? It was, um, I thought, an interesting game and actually quite a close game. Nice got back to, to 1-1, didn't they? They had a wonderful chance to go 2-1 up. Guiri hit the crossbar and, uh, you know, you can see Barcelona easing to a 4-0 win over Alaves. But, you know, PSG, they're not having it all their own way. An important win, but, you know, this was a close match. Yeah, scraping through. Um, Nice are back. Uh, Ronnie Lopez scored a double in midweek in the cup. Uh, Really good finish for Nice's goal at the weekend as well and good to see him playing well again. It was uh, unfortunate for Guiri that he hit the bar. I'm... What we're talking about, defenders playing it out from the back, a really uncharacteristic error from Marquinhos for that nice yeah. goal, uh, giving the ball away. And uh, such a risky pass. I watched it back several times and was just wondering what he was trying to do. Um, in terms of the formation, Pochettino, is, he's just trying to... It's sticking plasters, isn't it? When you're lacking the creative department with um, Di Maria, Neymar and Verratti all absent, you're just putting a, a team together and hoping that they'll get the win a uh, really nice goal for the winner Moise Keane a couple of winners in the space of a few days great header back across from the Mbappe cross by Icardi uh, and Keane sticking it away um, but yeah, it makes you realise just how important those creative players are and we're expecting Verratti to be okay after the bruising to his hip when Dimitri Payet kicked him in the Classique that's kept him out for longer than I thought it would uh, but Di Maria and Neymar of course definitely not available for the game at the new Camp when you say kicked him in 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 the classic, you're talking about the the game between PSG and Marseille. It's not like no, it's slang not a for, no. for a part of his body. No, um, yeah, Verratti should be back. Navas made his comeback as well um, from injury against Nice. That's obviously good news. But no Di Maria, and we know, of course, no Neymar as well on, on Tuesday night. We got an email from Adam Cyrilnik. Adam says, "Could you ever see Neymar winning a major trophy without another world class star like Messi or Mbappe being the main?" contributor well I, you know my, I would say you know he's he's won some major trophies and and been the main contributor at, at, at PSG if we talk about the league untitled but maybe Adam's talking about the Champions League Arnold uh, he didn't specify with PSG because I think he could win the Copa America again fairly comfortably yeah. Yeah. With yeah. PSG. I mean, listen, so, so the, in all seriousness, Armel, this is going to be the third time in four seasons that he's missing the round of 16. There's been a lot of talk in France. Mm. Perhaps some of it's been unfair saying he, he doesn't look after himself as well as he might. He doesn't, he goes out too much, this and that. Yeah. Um, 
You can say it's bad luck. You can say it's his style of play, perhaps that invites too many kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it's you know it's not why PSG are paying this money. They need him now, and he's not there again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sure Dave is currently going like this, wanting to mention his sister's birthday in a few days' time. That he's always absent for that. But no. I don't know. You can. What Neymar? Neymar. No, my, going... my sister's birthday was last. Month. I was going to say, is Neymar <laughs> going to Dave's sister's party? No, we're getting all mixed up now. <laughs> But uh, no, it's true. You need you need these players in in the important moments, and he's he's out again. So it's, I, it's he, disappointing. He did get some treatment from the the com players in the midweek cup game. Um, Steve, written with three E's, Iago uh, should have been sent off for the challenge that led to Neymar going off, and uh, inevitably because everyone's wise after the event, people are saying, why did Neymar play against this second division team in the cup? Why was he there as captain? Why hadn't he got taken off at half-time? Very easy to say. The fact is that if Neymar had come into the game at the new Camp, having not played before, everyone has said he was lacking match sharpness because he missed the Neem game through suspension, uh, only played a half an hour off the bench um, in the Classique after gastroenteritis following his own birthday. So he needed game time coming into Barcelona. If he'd got through that hour and played half an hour this weekend, everyone would have been, okay. it's fine. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's very bad timing. He has missed far too many games. He's only played just over half the matches that um, Paris Saint-Germain have played since he joined. And major trophy. I mean, he's won three French league titles, two French cups. Oh, he has, he has. But w- was he the main actor or Mbappe? Uh, I think he was certainly he was certainly up there. I mean, he's been yeah, phenomenal. Yeah. First season, he was player of the season, wasn't he, in, in France? And you just look at his... I mean, obviously, it's not everything, but you look at his statistical record. Yes, he's missed games, but when he's there, my God, he's present. What are we thinking then for the for the new camp? Moyes Keane, wide, wide right, Icardi through the middle, Mbappe uh, left. Verratti playing further forward. Verratti with, yeah, with a midfield two of what, Gay and uh, Paradis. Yeah, tricky decision, that one, on the right-hand side. Um, because Sarabia looks hopelessly out of form to me um, and Pochettino doesn't seem to fancy him as a player. I think he's only given him one start since uh, he came in. Doesn't seem to have much time for Rafinha either, which I know bugs Armel and Rafinha's had a, a slight muscular problem recently too. Um, yeah, the Verratti's really got to step up. Dra- uh, but having having Draxler as an option who steps in and scores against Nice is a bit like, you know, when you get a, an old jacket out of the cupboard that you haven't used for a long time and there's a fiver in it. But then once you've got the fiver out and put it in your wallet, you don't really want the jacket anymore. I, I, feel I like, thought you were going to say it's a really nice jacket and then you start wearing it. Maybe. Some people like Draxler. I think he's, he likes Paris. <laughs> I think he likes Paris <laughs> yeah. as well. Well, it, it, it's going to be interesting. I think PSG are going into this with plenty of problems. I think having Di Maria and uh, Neymar out is, is massive. I don't think the midfield's quite right. I don't think the defence is quite right. That said, they've got a lot of exceptional players. This is, and this is what it's about. It's about turning up in these games. And I think a lot is going to hinge, hinge on Kylian Mbappe, who's in great form, um, but hasn't always done it in these, in these big Champions League matches. We'll have to wait and see. It's going to be it's going to be fascinating on Tuesday. Um, plenty of uh, league and action, of course, coming up after that, including that game between Monaco and PSG at the Parc des Princes on Sunday. We're going to just have a quick word about Nantes. I think Nantes deserve a quick word. They're the uh, eight-time French champions. They're going through a, a turbulent season. They're on to their fourth coach now. Uh, Valdemir Kita keeps on uh, ringing the changes. We had a, an email from Frenchy 
uh, in Detroit. He wrote in and said, uh, I'm sad to see Raymond Dominic go from Nantes. He really didn't have much time to impose his game plan, but I do get it. Four draws and three defeats. I am happy that they're considering Antoine Comboire for the position. Former Nantes player, proven coach. Well, Frenchy, I'm sure you're even happier that Antoine Comboire got the job and got a win, didn't he? Uh, 3-1 in the first game uh, of Comboire's reign against Angers. And that's a big, big result. So I think it was 16 matches without a win. First of all, Dave, um, what do we think about the Raymond Dominic reign? It was it was short. It was short. It, it's what a, it was always going to be a gamble, wasn't it? Given that uh, he hadn't coached at club level for two and a half decades uh, and hadn't coached at all for a decade. And the early impressions that he made by all accounts, were favourable. The, the players liked having someone with a, a different way of talking to them, but that soon dissipated. They didn't get the results, despite one or two promising displays, like the the point they got against Saint-Etienne. And I think it's just not admitting that they made a mistake. And now, what happens when you make a mistake? Well, Armel talks about the familiar old jackets or baseball caps. You go to the baseball caps, you either go Antoine Comboire or Eli Bob. Eli Bob's a bit old now. So you go to Comboire, he's your pompier de service, he's your fireman. And uh, well, he, he's put out that initial fire. And uh, I'm glad to report that he can still whistle as loudly as ever. Oh yeah, a Comboire whistle, we've missed that. He's a, good, he's a good manager, isn't he? I mean, his last spell, I think he had 10 games at Toulouse and lost them all. So people are thinking, well, hang on, why, why, why are you going for him? But he's also... Saved a lot of clubs. I don't want to call him the French Harry Redknapp. I think he's... Uh, Sam Allardyce? Sam Allardyce. <laughs> oh, but he's got that emotional connection with Nantes. Uh, I'm not sure that he would have, even though he has got that Pompier de Service reputation, I'm not sure that he would have come out uh, of his uh, time away from coaching had it not been Nantes in these circumstances so on they, such a bad run. It's Pompier de Service. It, it's got nothing to do with like pom-pom girls or anything. So you, could you just explain in case our listeners don't speak French? It's uh, it's the Sam Allardyce type coach or manager that you appoint to try and save you from relegation. They call them a pompier like firemen. Yeah? They're fighting fires. Uh, Nantes have still got fires to put out. They're 18th, uh, which is uh, synonymous with the playoff berth, relegation promotion playoff with a, a Ligue 2 side. Um, they're behind Lorient, who are picking up points at the moment. So, you know, it is tough. Nantes uh, just ahead of Nîmes and Dijon. Nîmes got a really good win, by the way, at the weekend against Dijon so they're they're still kicking and screaming still fighting for their uh, for their league on lives other results around uh, the country at the weekend Red nil Saint-Étienne 2 another really good win for Saint-Étienne who looked to have turned a corner at last um, Strasbourg won the derby of Eastern France 2-1 away to Metz uh, what else we got Bordeaux nil Marseille nil another season goes past then uh, without Marseille winning in Bordeaux. I think it dates back to the 70s, doesn't it, since Marseille last won in Bordeaux. They finished that game with nine men, by all accounts. A very disappointing game. Uh, Bordeaux nil, Marseille nil. That pretty much concludes the uh, the action. We're going to look ahead uh, to next weekend now, uh, round 26. Time for a Bon Voyage. So what have we got then? Round 23, Brest against Lyon. You know what? Brest caused Lyon some problems at the Group Armour Stadium. I think it finished 2-2 there. They've just got a draw against Lille. That, that could be a tricky one. We've got a couple of crisis clubs, Nantes and Marseille, going head-to-head on Saturday. That's at uh, 
5 p.m. in France. If you are living in the UK, make sure you tune into Paris Saint-Germain Monaco. That kicks off 9 p.m. local time, 8 p.m. in the UK, live on BT Sport this coming Sunday. Other Sunday games include uh, Montpellier-Rennes at 1 o'clock and Lorient against Lille. That should be an interesting one at 5 past 5 in France. That's 5 past 4 in the UK. Um, David Crossan, where would you like to go this weekend? Short trip for me this weekend has to be Paris Saint-Germain against Monaco. It's the outstanding game and I'm expecting it to be very entertaining, unlike Armel's Lille against Brest. Should be good, shouldn't it? Monaco games tend to be packed with goals. PSG might be a little bit tired after their Champions League exertions. Uh, it's going to be fascinating. Armel, you going there or have you got another one up your sleeve? Well, I'm really tempted to say Lorient-Lille, but after what Lille put me through this last weekend, I'm also tempted to say Nice-Metz because... I liked what I saw of Nice this weekend against Paris Saint-Germain and I quite like Mets as well. So, you know, why not? Okay. well, if you're going to go and watch William Saliba playing for for Nice, by the way, Saliba, Todibo, impressive again at the Parc de Prats. And they're not just playing well. I know I'm making this a regular sort of comment now, but having those two centre-backs, giving them that solid platform and also that ability to play from the back, it does sort of transform the team. Yeah. I would expect... Nice to start winning regularly, but yes. we'll see. Yeah, they've been awful ever since Dante got injured. It's taken these two young players to make up for his absence, but not impressive. I'm going to go to Brest on Friday night because I need a bit of sea air, get a bit of colour in my cheeks, and also because I do, I do really enjoy this this Brest team. And I think having played so defensively against Lille, they're going to really. Sp- not surprise everybody, but they're going to go all out, gung-ho, attacking football against Leon, And I think Leon could be vulnerable. And I think we could be looking at 4-3 to Brest. So I, th- I think it's going to be a cracker. Go, Armel is nodding approvingly. Sorry that, so. sorry that you I got the, so. one, the one Brest game that wasn't entertaining. Can't believe got it. To yeah. Thank you ever so much, everybody, for, for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. And um, do your best to keep an eye on the League 1 teams in Europe this midweek and then all the League 1 action um, at the weekend. We'll be back with another edition of Le Bourgeois next week. Until then, from Armel Tangi, David Crossan and me, Matt Spiro, it's time to say goodbye. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Oh, Vignetta, beautifully done. Sensational.